Welcome to Own It from Women Lead Change. I'm Tiffany O'Donnell, the CEO of Women Lead Change. On today's episode, I'll be talking with Gretchen Carlson. She's a fierce, fearless, and internationally recognized advocate for women's rights whose bold actions against Fox News chairman Roger Ailes helped pave the way for the global hashtag MeToo movement. A journalist, author, TED Talk alum, and champion for workplace equality, Gretchen was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World and is a member of the Time's Up Global Leadership Board. She authored a New York Times bestseller called Be Fierce and Getting Real and recently co-founded the nonprofit Lift Our Voices to end the silencing of harassment victims through forced arbitration and non-disclosure agreements. In our conversation today, Gretchen talks about the movie Bombshell, sort of. You'll see what I mean. Gretchen Carlson, so great to see you any way we can, I guess. Oh my gosh, I know. Well, thank goodness for technology, right? I mean, when it works, it's a wonderful thing. So grateful you could join us today. I need to give our listeners just a little bit of background. You and I go way back. Gretchen and I actually were fortunate enough to be in the Miss America pageant together. It's always tricky when I say the 19, I was Miss Iowa 1988, but it was the 89 pageant, right? Yes, you know how that works because you know it was always in September, and then you, if you won, you actually represented most of the next year. So it was eighty nine. But yes, so I was I was representing Minnesota in eighty eight. Wow. Yeah, and then Gretchen went on to win. So <laughs> that was that was a good week for you. Yeah, it, it, look at I just went back to my Minnesota accent when I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> it does, it, it seems like forever ago. It was forever ago, but what an experience for you. And I just have to ask you, when you look at like the trajectory of your life, I have to think that had a serious impact. It did. That's a loaded question because you understand this because you also went into the TV business and, and, and I did as well. So it was wonderful as far as giving me a tremendous amount of experience that year to be in front of the television camera and give a million speeches and, you know, learn how to be incredibly poised and mature at just 22 years old. And it made doing TV that much easier. But, you know, I, I will be honest in saying that there are so many stereotypes and misconceptions about women who enter Miss America, unfortunately, even though it's the scholarship organization and the one that has talent, there were still misconceptions. And so I learned as I went through my television career and kept going from different market to market that my um, the impression of me by people that I was going to work with was not always a good first impression before they met me because they were basing it solely on, oh, She's just a bimbo who was Miss America. And so it actually made me work harder because every time I went to a new newsroom, I was like, okay, I'm going to prove (laughs) that I'm the best reporter here or the best anchor here and the hardest worker. And so it actually ginned me up even a a higher level than I already than I already was. And certainly over time, you know, people lost that perception of me. So, you know, it was it was positive. And then there was a little bit of negative involved. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, and one of the things I have just as a takeaway from from meeting you, you know, way back, way back then, I had never met anybody who had so clearly defined a goal. I mean, when we we were able to travel together that summer a little bit before the pageant. So we were both state, you know, state winners at that point. And listening to your preparation, I had just honestly never heard a peer that was so targeted in a goal and the preparation, you know, the, the newspapers you were reading, the, the mock interviews you were doing. I mean, you're just clearly driven, so driven and ambitious. And, you know, those are words that 
you know, I know as an adult now, as a 51 year old woman, we hear words like driven and ambitious. And those can, those aren't always considered flattering for women. You know, for men, they're great. But I'm just wondering, when you look back on that, was that a good thing for you? Or was that, you know, somewhat something you had to deal with? You know, when I was a little kid and I was playing the violin, which was my talent and something that was actually going to be my career, or I thought it was going to be, I was such a serious musician that, you know, that's where I think I really learned my drive. I'm sure some of it was innate, but um, the practice, and this is why I advocate the arts or sports for young kids to get involved in, because they put time into something, they realize they get better, but it builds such immense self-esteem and discipline and drive and motivation. So I never really thought about it in a negative way because I was just practicing, practicing, practicing and entering competitions. And it just became a part of who I was. And honestly, Tiffany, when people were judging me on, on a violin competition, they didn't give a darn about the fact that I was a woman instead of a man. They picked the best player. And I think my other compelling experience as a child was in school and being a good student. And the same thing was true there. Being ambitious and driven was a positive. And again, it was up to you solely to get good grades. And so I never saw any sort of gender discrimination in, in the early part of my life. It was only when I got into the workplace where I remember calling my mom at my first job in Richmond, Virginia and saying, mom, did you know that women are not treated fairly in the workplace like men are and that we don't get the same pay? <laughs> oh, wow. And she was like, why? You know, and then I kept calling her and calling her. She's like, why do you always have to talk about women's rights? And, and I'm like, mom, because I never faced this as a kid, even though I had all this ambition and drive. I never faced it till I got into the real world. And it was a really, you know, tragic eye-opening experience for so many women, I think, when you find out that you aren't treated in the same way. So what that did for me is actually make me more ambitious and and more driven. And and just to your point that sometimes that's a negative connotation for, for women, I'm working so hard to change that. And I know you are as well, because we continue to socialize girls in our society as being perfect. And that is a demon. Mm. That is a horrible thing to do to our girls. We tell them it's that they should stay coloring inside the lines and that they shouldn't take as many risks as boys. And they grow up to then behave that way in the workplace too. And, and I believe taking risks is like the greatest form of independence and finding out who you, who you really are. So we need to stop defining who girls are supposed to be at a young age so that those words ambitious and driven are positives for them when they grow up as well. I love that. Perfectionism as a demon. Ugh. Wow. I thought that I had liberated myself from it when I turned 40 and it was one of my goals and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> as we all know, after you live a life of doing it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then, so when I turned 50, I was like, okay, I'm really, really going to do it now. And I have become so much better at, at not holding that curse over my head. And one of my primary goals with my daughter is to, to try and make sure that she does not feel that way. Um, women also say, I'm sorry, like 47 gazillion times a day. And I hear her say that. And I'm like, no, you're not sorry. You are not sorry for anything. I mean, unless she actually did something, but you are not sorry because you opened the door and somebody else walked through. They, it's a guy. That person should be saying they were sorry because they walked into you. You don't say I'm sorry. You know, it, it's it's so ingrained in the way we raise young women to defer, be perfect, to say I'm sorry. Now that I've told you that, just spend a day and listen how many times you hear a woman say I'm sorry. It's so depressing. 
These are all things that I'm you know, working on in the myriad of ways that I'm trying to lift women up is to help us realize how we can help ourselves as well while we're trying to change society at the same time. I'm glad that you, you sort of opened the door to, you know, the conversations about being a woman in the workplace. A lot of us know you from Fox News and mm-hmm. your time there and your, I mean, your headlines coming out of Fox News, your departure from there. You know, I, I'm wondering if what you can share with us about your experience there. Yeah. So I worked my way up, you know, I killed myself to eventually get to the national stage. I worked in a million local markets and um, then I eventually got to CBS News in New York and I was a correspondent and that was an amazing job traveling the world. And then I was promoted to do the Saturday early show, which was always my goal in television to do a morning show, sort of a combination of hard news and fun, more light things. And then Fox News came calling and I was only doing that one day a week. And they said, well, would you like to do it five days a week? And of course, that was really my dream job. And so I went over there and and did that morning show for seven years. Now, I had no way of knowing that I was potentially walking into um, a situation that was going to turn out to to not be as pleasant as I thought it was going to be. Eventually, then I moved on from the morning show and had my my own show there. If people know what happened to me then four years ago in 2016, I ended up suing my boss, Roger Ailes, who was the CEO and chairman of Fox for sexual harassment. And um, that was after they had fired me from a career that I had worked my full head off to to get to, you know, and I decided that if I didn't speak up at that point in time about this, who would? Not knowing at all that it would jumpstart this movement that we have found ourselves in that I'm so grateful for that so many other women have felt empowered to come forward and, and have found the same courage. I think, you know, my story is a testament to not knowing at all what you're going to walk into. And that's how women find themselves in these situations. They don't expect to get into a work dispute of any kind. So now what I'm trying to do is change the mechanisms inside the workplace that have allowed these behaviors to continue for years and years. And and those are you know really my advocacy missions right now to try and make it better for my daughters and your daughters and anyone else who's listening, their, their kids too. We'll get back to our conversation with Gretchen in just a bit, but I want to let you know about a couple of virtual workshops coming up. One is on imposter syndrome, the surprising truth with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. That has now been rescheduled to August 26th, so tickets are still available. And then Men, Women, and Words, Communicating Across the Gender Divide with Amber Nelson. That's on September 29th. Grab your favorite male allies and advocates for that one. And it is really impressive. I want to talk about that in just a bit. Some of our listeners may have seen the movie Bombshell. Mm -hmm. Do you have a connection to that movie? You know, if so, what is it? You don't. So here's the problem with with my what I'm trying to change, which is I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement after we came to certain terms with with Fox News after I sued. And, um, you know, we call those NDAs. Now, if I had known four years ago that this movement would start, and that we'd have me too, and that we'd actually be discussing like women shouldn't have to sign NDAs anymore. Like how I didn't know that when I did it, it was basically presented to me like this is part of the process. You'll never be able to talk about your details of what happened to you, but you will be able to talk about this issue. You will be able to go to Capitol Hill if you want, which I have, to try and change the laws. You will be able to come to women's conferences like I've come to Iowa to, mm-hmm. to speak to women, to try to empower them and tell them not the details of what happened to you, but the basic premise of what happened to you. And at the time, my lawyers and I thought that was a really 
provocative deal because they could have asked for me to keep my mouth closed on everything, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But had I known that we'd be in this next phase of the revolution where now we're saying not only is harassment not going to happen anymore, but we're not going to force women to sign NDAs either, I would not have signed it. So it's a long-winded answer to say, no, I could have nothing to do with the movie Bombshell. So it's, it's a surreal experience in a positive way to watch these amazing actresses portraying you know, my life story and talking about this issue so that more women can get help. Like they would have never done a movie on this four years ago, Tiffany, ever. Yeah, I think that's, I, I'm so glad you pointed it out. Your story was pre-Me Too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this all happened to you before this this movement. And I should just also point out NDA is non-disclosure agreement, which right. pretty, you know, explains what it is. But you could never have predicted. No, that, that that would have been a catalyst for the Me Too movement. And in this latest revolution, there are certainly other women before us. I always like to give a shout out to Anita Hill and to Tarana Burke, who actually was the founder of the Me Too movement many years ago. But this latest revolution has really given it more life. But no, I could not participate in these projects. So it, talk to you? Was anybody even able to, no. these actresses able to talk to you or no? And so this is, you know, this is what I'm trying to change, not necessarily for, for me just personally, because my story has been out there and told, I mean, I can't even tell you if the movie was accurate or not. That's how stringent my NDA is. I can't tell you if Nicole Kidman did a good job at it. I mean, I can tell you I'm incredibly flattered that she decided to take on the role, but I can't, can't say if it was even accurate. It's actually really, really debilitating and suffocating to not be able to go on top of a mountain and say, this is how it really happened. I can't imagine. <laughs> but but that's what I'm trying to change. And it's not just for Gretchen Carlson. It's to change this for the millions of women who don't have the platform or maybe the resources that I have had to be able to get out there and tell my story a lot. There are tons of women out there who literally cannot afford to come forward to talk about harassment because they literally have to have their job. And these are the women that I'm trying to help by changing the laws and trying to get corporations to take these policies out of their agreements to make their workplaces safer for all women and men, you know, not just high profile women or high profile actresses. You know, I think it's important to note when when you sign those, the predator remains. Yes. That's the other thing. That's the problem, Tiffany, because you can't tell anyone what happened to you, right? Most women, their stories are not told publicly. So they go off and unfortunately they never work again. Because if you play it out, imagine if you've been at a company for 15 years and you're pretty high up and then you have a harassment situation and you complain and then they go, oh gosh, we got to get rid of her, even though you did nothing wrong. And now you get some sort of a settlement and then you have to sign this NDA. Now you try to go to the next company to get a job and you don't have that reference of a 15 year experience. And so the company, going back to how we socialize young girls and women, they're thinking, oh, she must've done something wrong, right? Why won't that company give us a reference? Why can't she tell me why she left that company? And so the majority of the women that have reached out to me, and I've shared this with you before, they don't work again. So we have basically cut off the American dream for thousands and thousands of women who simply have found the courage to come forward. And to your point, because it's all secret, nobody else at the company knows what happened to them. They all feel alone. And the predator gets to stay in the job and not only continue harassing people, but gets to work with no penalty. So that's what I'm trying to change. I'm trying to change it 180 degrees for a woman comes forward. There's an independent investigation. If she's found to be telling the truth, the perpetrator goes. And she gets to keep working in her job. 
then there's no need for a settlement. There's no need for an NDA. There's no need for shame. It's actually a really simple solution, but you cannot believe how ingrained the American workforce is to not look at it that way. And so that's what all my advocacy work is right now, is trying to change the way we perceive this, but also at the same time change laws to help kind of nudge companies along. And you've actually created a nonprofit too. Yeah. So I was doing all this advocacy work and I was trying to get rid of arbitration clauses in employment contracts, which is the other way we silence women, NDAs and arbitration. I had my bill introduced first, bipartisan bill in the House and Senate in 2017, was reintroduced in the House last spring and I testified before the House Judiciary. We were just getting ready to reintroduce it in the Senate before COVID hit. But I'm very optimistic that this fall we will be able to do that again. I got in touch with some other Fox colleagues when NBC announced that they were going to allow women there out of their NDAs, and I got in touch with them and I said, if they're going to let it happen there, we should demand that Fox let us out of our NDAs. And so we did that. Of course, we've heard nothing back, but we did a lot of press around that. And then that organically moved into, you know, we really should form an organization around this because nobody else was doing this work. And I've already been doing all this arbitration work. Let's put it all under one umbrella. So we formed Lift Our Voices, and people can learn more at liftourvoices.org. And our goals are simple, eradicating arbitration clauses for toxic work environments and eradicating NDAs for toxic work environments. For proprietary information, you know from being in the workforce, there are secrets in companies like the nuclear codes. (laughs) We're not asking for, for people to have to give up that information. We're talking about gender discrimination, racism, harassment, assault, anything that would be deemed toxic that women and men should be able to tell their stories and not be silenced. Do you think this is the time for that conversation? Yes. I have to think more than ever. You know, we talk about five years ago. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine this would have gotten anywhere. Are you feeling that time is on your side? Yes. And we we were making such great strides before COVID hit because we wrote an op-ed actually in the Des Moines Register and they were doing the debate that night with all of the Democratic uh, presidential candidates in uh, early February, we asked, encouraged, demanded (laughs) that the debate moderators ask a question about NDAs because we felt it was so crucial. We had gone out to every presidential candidate to say, are you with us? And Tiffany, it's amazing the power of a singular voice or just a couple of people coming together. We heard from every presidential candidate except for four. And this was back when there were like 20. And All of them, except for four, said, we're on your side. So we asked the Des Moines Register, when you do the debate tonight, please ask a question about NDAs. And they did. And that was when you saw uh, Elizabeth Warren and Mike Bloomberg really go at it. And essentially, and I'm I'm not for any presidential candidate because we are a nonpartisan organization, but that's really what ended the candidacy of Mike Bloomberg because he had a problem with NDAs. We need to be talking about this. We did talk about it at the presidential level, and it got great attention for this cause. And so now that we're coming up upon the presidential election, we're really getting back into the game of making sure and asking debate moderators to ask these questions, because it's about time that women's issues get heard on the debate stage. If we can't have a woman running for president, which I wanted, (laughs) at least we can have the issues come to the forefront. And I'll I'll just mention that Joe Biden was the first person on the Democratic side to sign on to our petition. So we were very grateful for that. You've got to have the law on your side for sure. I'm also interested in what you're hearing about from the workplace. 
Yeah. So the other part of our work, our, our, our work at Lift Our Voices is awareness, right? People are so much more aware now of how women have been silenced. We've been very successful at that. Number two, it is getting to the laws and changing them. New Jersey passed an amazing NDA law. Basically, they're not allowed anymore in the state for toxic work situations. We would love to use that law as a boilerplate for federal legislation. Then I've been talking to you about my arbitration on the federal level. But the other big piece of the pie is going to companies and saying, you can do this on your own. If you want to get on the right side of history, you can take out arbitration clauses. You can not silence women with NDAs. Before we pass laws forcing you to do it, you can stand up and say, we did it because we believe in making our workplace safer for all people. And some companies have done that, Tiffany. I would consider it a best practice, honestly. I'd be, can you name some some companies who are doing this right? So right away after I first introduced my arbitration bill in 2017, Microsoft stepped up to the plate. They took arbitration clauses out. And then you had a bit of a domino effect in the tech world. So then you had Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and eBay. And then you had the Google walkout, which is a prime example of what I'm talking about with, with one singular voice and advocacy making a difference. That was one woman's idea. She did the walkout. Guess what it was about? It was about predators getting payouts for sexual harassment and arbitration clauses in their employment contracts. And that became an international day with one woman's idea. They all walked out, women and men, and guess what happened the next day? Google took arbitration clauses out of their contracts. It is testament to how important it is to think and know that your voice matters. It was one person's idea. She encouraged an entire international movement and they affected change within 24 hours. It's, it's happening. It is unfolding right now. Recently then, right before COVID, we had the first bank in um, the financial institutions, Wells Fargo, took out arbitration clauses. I'm hoping we'll see a similar domino effect there. With regard to NDAs, Condé Nast, which owns a ton of magazines, they took NDAs out of their clauses. So a movement is afoot. And the work that we're doing at Lift Our Voices is having dramatic effect you know, we look forward to getting back into the game, so to speak, when the uh, presidential election really ramps up. We'll get back to Gretchen in just a minute. A couple of virtual conferences coming up for you. October 8th, an event in Dubuque, October 28th, and then our final conference of 2020 on November 10th, our big conference in the Quad Cities. There are ticket packages for all of our events. Just go to wlcglobal.org for all of the details. You have accomplished so much, Gretchen. And I ha- it's, it's just interesting when you talk about your goal was the morning show and then your goal was the five day a week. It's like we're watching the evolution of Gretchen Carlson. What's next? Well, but, but I think the, the best lesson in there, especially for women, is that don't feel like you're pigeonholed into only doing one specific thing or, or don't think that because you're struggling at this moment in time that something else isn't just right around the corner. Because trust me, for as driven and, and ambitious as I, as I was in everything, including the TV world, I never expected to put on my resume poster child for sexual harassment in the workplace. I mean, that was not a goal of mine, but the way in which I've lived my life was the approach I took when that happened to me, which was I could have gone home and done nothing. But the way I've lived my life is when a challenge is in front of me, I go for it. And that's why my husband says to me now, how can you be more busy (laughs) doing all of your work on harassment while still doing TV, but not doing a daily show? How can you be more busy? And I'm like, because solving this issue is more tangled than I thought, but I'm going to do it. 
but it's it's tangled and it's more complicated. But the lesson to anyone listening is that you don't have to feel stuck. There's always something around the corner. If you stay true to the way in which you were raised and, and how you got to that first job, and if you feel good about your self-esteem in that regard, you can use those same principles even when life throws you a huge curveball. Wow. Would you change anything? I have no regrets about what I did, even though I had no idea how it was going to pan out. Tiffany, I thought I was going to be sitting home every day crying because I had lost my career, which which I did do. But look, this gave me a whole new avenue to, to really make change. If I'm successful with Lift Our Voices in making the workplace safer for all Americans and across the world, that will be my greatest achievement. That will be my greatest work achievement, far surpassing anything that I ever did in television because it's so much more monumental to change the lives of so many other people, right? Mm -hmm. And giving that gift to my children to know that one person's voice can make a difference and that being courageous is so important. And I've seen it play out with them. And that has made what I did so worthwhile. So I have no regrets about it at all. Mm -mm. That, my friend, is what they call legacy. Well, I hope so. I've been blessed to have my children. And um, I probably have shared with you before that even I had, even though I had all that drive and ambition, my biggest goal in life was to be a mom. And and I had trouble getting pregnant. And, and I was devastated that I might not be able to be a mom. And so I got so lucky in, in getting one of each, a, a boy and a girl. And I know now that they have learned about courage from watching what, what happened to me and it's been instilled in them. And I'm just so grateful for that as well. No doubt. Uh, final questions here. You know, what do you consider your superpower and how do you own it? Um, my superpower is the fire in my belly <laughs> and it never goes out. Some nights when I don't sleep, I'd like to be able to, <laughs> for sure. but I really do believe that it is my superpower because I feel it every single day. And, you know, truth be told, there's some mornings I wake up and I'm lethargic like everyone else. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do this today. But then that little fire kicks up, <laughs> the flame kicks up. And I really believe that that I can do anything as a result of that. And I never, ever give up. And so I just hope that other people can find that fire that's inside of them too. Gretchen Carlson, this has been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. I always love talking to you because it brings me home to my roots. I still love the Midwest and I love Minnesota and I was right next door. You know, I just, I love reconnecting with you as well. And networking. Gosh, we could do a whole other podcast on that. How important it is to stay in touch with the people in your life that um, you've met along the way. And you and I have been reconnected after all these years and it feels good. It does feel good. And I have to think the Midwest pragmatism and work ethic and all of that has yeah. a little something to do with this evolution too. Totally. I, I always credit it back to the way in which I was raised and that work ethic that was so much a part of both of our lives. Gretchen, thanks for the work you're doing and we'll be watching. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Great to see Thank you again. You too, Gretchen. I've known Gretchen a long time, and I mean it when I say she is one of the most principled, driven humans I have ever met. It's made her life complicated, and from the sounds of it, extremely meaningful. Meaningful. 
thank you for spending time with us for today's Own It podcast with Gretchen Carlson. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you feel like it, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that so much. And again, everything you need to know about our events and conferences coming up at wlcglobal.org. 